we go. <clears throat> and welcome back to the Trenton 365 show. Uh, in the studio with me in this portion of the program, I have representatives of the Isles Urban Agriculture um, program. Jim Simon is here. Um, Jim is very thorough. Uh, for those of you who know Jim and have seen him around. So uh, I'm, I'm showing up this sheet here. So we had a conversation earlier, and um, we run in the same circles. But, of, of course, um, Jim showed up with a laundry list of things that we could talk about tonight. But I love that. So for those of you who are unfamiliar with the Isles organization, um, Marty Johnson, the founder, is uh, one of my friends, uh, one of my mentors. Um, he really got me started in this whole idea of community organizing after leaving uh, corporate America. Um, he said, hey, look, you know, we were out for lunch or whatever, and he was like, we were talking, he said, hey, look, and I think you ought to check this uh, this uh, training out for um, Building One America. And literally, that is one of those moments where when I took the training, everything just kind of fell into place. I was doing stuff here at WIMG. I started a civic association. All these different things just started to happen. And uh, besides that, the organization does some awesome stuff. Uh, mainly fostering self-reliancy, but most importantly, um, dealing with uh, some simple things like that we need, like uh, clean water and food. So um, I've got a passion for the Owls organization. And then when Jim, while I was serving on the board of the organization, Jim came and joined the organization um, working, and then him and I developed a friendship, and then it's progressed from there. So um, first of all, I want you guys to both introduce yourself, and then Jim, I want you to talk a little bit about what brought you to the Owls organization. Actually, sure. both of you. So I'm Jim Simon. I'm the Deputy Director of Community Planning at Isles. So I've been at Isles for a little over 10 years. Um, what first brought me to Isles was I, I knew about the organization through uh, service learning projects uh, for a high school. So we would bring students to Trenton to volunteer at the soup kitchen, do environmental work, and you know saw that the organization was doing great work and went a, a opportunity for seasonal uh, part-time garden support opened up, I, I jumped on it and eventually made the transition. Mm, awesome. Uh, Justin Allen, I'm the, um, I almost said my title, my previous title, <laughs> uh, Urban Agriculture Coordinator. So I've been with Isles a little over two years. Uh, prior to that, I was in Newark doing uh, similar urban agriculture work for about five years uh, for Greater Newark Conservancy and been gardening since I've been a, a little kid uh, up in North Jersey. I uh, love it. It's a passion of mine. And um, I was looking for a change when I was in Newark, and um, I, do, I do miss a lot about it there. There's a lot of connections that I made and a lot of cool things going on. And um, I saw an opportunity here at Isles for similar work, which it's not always easy to find urban agriculture uh, positions. And um, I knew Jim. He was a, a colleague of mine and a, a friend through networking. And I actually called Jim up uh, when I saw the position and kind of interviewed him <laughs> to make sure what I was getting into was something that I, I would, uh, would be a good, good move and a good decision. So. Ultimately, uh, the interview went well, and <laughs> now I work with Jim. And now, and now the, the Trenton region or the central New Jersey region has another passionate person about urban agriculture, which is, which is fantastic. So um, for those, uh, let's start with a basic, basic understanding. Um, can you guys, in your own words, just describe um, the importance of food, number one, in an urban environment, like touch on food deserts or, or whatever, and then what urban agriculture is? Sure. So the importance of food, everybody eats. Um, you know, one huge benefit of farming in a city is bringing food closer to the people. Mm -hmm. So uh, in cities like Trenton and other, you know, post-industrial cities, food access is it's a, a little, little bit messy. There's, you know, not always full-service supermarkets to serve people. 
um, access is an issue. People physically may not be able to get to get to food, uh, but then there's also the issue of, of choice too. Uh, you know, if there is food available locally, it may not be the, the best option. So it, it takes some, you know, it takes some work. It's, it's a challenge to, you know, make those healthy choices. So. Um, you know, urban agriculture is it's a way of beautifying community at the same time, especially when there's, uh, you know, vacant, underutilized land. Uh, it's a way to bring people together, and it's a way to produce food. Mm -hmm. Justin, want to add to that? Uh, Jim said a lot there. Yeah, I think uh, growing food is a, is a powerful thing to do. It's uh, revolutionary, some might say, uh, to be able to, you know, take, take that into your own hands to grow your own food. And not rely on the systems that provide food for us. You know exactly what's going into it. Uh, it tastes amazing. It's strawberries and peaches. Um, so, mm -hmm. you know, I, I, something just lit up in my mind um, when you said that, like the social justice component of it. So, if you're growing your own food and you're becoming more self-reliant and, and more sustain sustainable, you have a bit more control. Then, um, because you know, we all have gone to supermarkets and, and farm markets and had an apple, and then went somewhere else and had another apple and said, "Wait a minute, these are totally different pieces of fruit." And then you start doing some more research and you realize, "Oh, well, this one was, you know, grown in one particular environment, and this one was grown in another environment." Does that really make a difference and, and so forth? Can you talk about um, the without going into like too too political about like you know what? GMOs and non-GMOs and what companies and stores do what, just the importance of, of the food that we're taking in and how important it is for us to have an understanding of the quality of food. Yeah, that's a good point. You talk about control, uh, you know, view it in a positive sense. You're controlling, you know, what you eat, you understand what's going into it, or you know who grew it, if it's, you know, if it was given to you by a community gardener or a friend that you know. Um, an another great way, it's, it's about controlling and you know letting citizens know that they have the power to shape uh, the, the public sphere mm -hmm. so you can take a vacant lot get together with your friends and neighbors and turn it turn it into something beautiful so you can uh, you can't always you know build a building by yourself you can't you know necessarily change laws by yourself but you know it's it's a great way to show pretty quick transformative change uh, in the course of just one season so it's relatively easy to build a garden it's you know these skills aren't you know out of reach you know when we teach gardening we try to keep it very very down to earth and uh, ensure that people are successful so mm -hmm. and when you say uh, teach people about gardening can you both uh, share a bit about the programs that IELTS offers for community gardens and also include how many gardens you have and what's your relationship with the faith community as well as schools as well a lot going on at Isles. <laughs> so the training, we, we can meet people where they're at. Uh, we do have a training garden, uh, and that is an intro gardening training garden. Uh, it's called the Incubator Garden. It's at 33 Tucker Street by Battle Monument. Uh, we have a small production site there, um, along with the training uh, component of it. And there's also a community orchard, so those trees will be maturing, so people know there's, there's peaches and cherries, and there's going to be fruit trees that are going to uh, be producing a lot of fruit in the coming years at that location as well. Um, so that training garden, we run some workshops through that, and we get people up to speed throughout the season and keep in touch with them, like work with them throughout the season to get them the skills and, and um, what they need to get growing and hopefully then move them on to another location, place them into community garden, get them set up at their own home, uh, wherever they would like to grow after that. Mm -hmm. And what else? We got about 60, 65 
close to 70 gardens we support. I say support because we can't. It's a lot to take care of. We do manage some. Yeah, and Justin, I'm going to jump in there, um, and, and I want you both or, or you to stick with this and be particular about the gardens because I don't want people to think that every single garden in the region that Isles is partnering with is an Isles garden. Like, so to speak, it's not that IELTS has employees who are there who are cultivating. Can you just go into a bit of the program? Yeah, so we support the gardens. We have two that we manage. One is the Tucker Street location, the production side. Roberto Clemente Park is a children's garden that has some other aspects to it, some vegetable garden beds, a bamboo forest, and other elements for programming. Beautiful space. Those are the two main ones we manage. There's other large gardens around the, the city that will support. We might till it for them in the beginning of the season, get the water turned on. Um, and some other gardens, we just provide seeds and seedlings. So there's different levels that we support. Um, it's really how much they want to get out of it or, or you know, receive from it. Um, they can just show up to the workshops. They can get all the other benefits. So there's a lot going on. We have school gardens that we support, and uh, we do some, some education and nutrition education at a few schools, and we get the school gardens going. Um, and they're all very different, too, the way they're run and, and, and uh, different kinds of support. We have uh, different institutional gardens. and. With 65, they, they, they're really all over the place, and they even fall outside the boundaries of Trenton. Uh, yeah. Jim, you want to add to that? Yeah, so it's, it's really about kind of providing the organizational assistance, the technical assistance. So, you know, people come to us and say, you know, they're interested in starting a garden. So we, we do site visits and site assessments with them. Um, you know, we look at the, the particular area that they're looking at gardening itself uh, so we you know look at sun exposure we talk with them about soil testing soil quality but we you know try to assess assess the capacity of the people to manage a garden themselves you know we can go start a garden you know this afternoon it'd, it'd be easy to do but the you know the reason that gardens fail or the, you know the reason the reasons that gardens are successful are, are they have that critical mass that people have buy-in they can work with each other and they have they share common goals so that's that's the hardest part to, to come by mm -hmm. and I just want people to, to understand that you know there's opportunities for us to really um, partner with organizations no one has to go at it alone anymore for the most part in in the community like like Trenton or Mercer County all you have to do is ask I mean and you've got an organization like ours with well over 30 years experience that can come in and do soil testing, can get you situated with sun exposure, what type of garden will work best for you, whether it's in ground, above ground, containers, um, what are some of the best things to grow, et cetera. And I think that there are opportunities for people to really uh, get more engaged with this idea of controlling what you're actually putting into your body. And what better way to uh, help out with children um, and uh, with nutrition, et cetera, and then teaching them how, how to grow. Um, you mentioned the Roberto Clemente Garden, which is um, technically, I guess you said, a children's garden. Can you talk about some of the programming that happens there? Sure. So Roberto Clemente, that's a city park, um, but Isles helped rehab it. Um, the, the children's garden is the area that we manage. So we have that open after school uh, in the summer. We try to keep it open as much as possible. We ran a summer camp uh, pilot this past summer called Camp Carrot. So for three weeks, we had kids outdoors for the full day doing gardening, environmental education activities. They would pick produce from the different gardens that we visited, make lunch. We'd do field trips to, you know, amazing um, resources uh, in the county park system um, and doing, you know, physical activity and mind mindfulness activities. So we would do yoga with the kids. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that was, that was a... Good time, and we're planning on doing that again this summer. So, 
would like to get the word out about that. Awesome, awesome. Um, and Justin, you'd mentioned um, the the plow event. Um, I know annually there's a plow event that takes place over on Chestnut Street. Can you just uh, tease that out a little bit? Sure, yeah, this year it's April 9th. Uh, we get Howell Living History Farm to come out with a few draft horses. I heard in the past they've even brought oxen out. <laughs> Uh, this is a few blocks from the train station, transit center, and uh, it's pretty cool. We get some local school classes to come by, and they actually they work with the staff uh, from the farm and walk behind the plow with the horses, um, and we send them around stations. They learn about beekeeping and composting. Uh, it's a great event. I'm really looking forward to it. It's kind of some people are a little thrown off when you see two very large horses in the center of the city. And it, last year, I believe, was the 30th year they consecutively have done this event. So wow. we're, we're over 30 years this season. Wow. And folks, if you want to, if you want to see Jim in his element, you ought to see him there with either the horses or the oxen. He's got his, his big um. What, what are your those boots called that you wear? That you don't wear waders, but you got these. You wear like you wear these high. Boots. No, I just wear I just wear work boots. Oh well, all right. Well, this one year you had these high boots on, and Jim was so in his in, in his environment, you know, and he's just directing all this activity. And there's a school bus there, and then like you know, there's dignitaries. It, it's it's pretty awesome stuff. Yeah, it, it's it's an amazing event. So that 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 is really the official start of the year. Um, you know, my grandparents farmed with draft horses uh, in suburban Omaha, Nebraska. So that really, it's a part of, it's about kind of reconnecting people to uh, the way food was raised. That's great. I've got Jim Simon and Justin here um, in the studio. We're talking about gardening, um, urban agriculture, and the IELTS organization. We're going to get into some more meat and potatoes after a very short break. You're listening and watching the Trenton 365 show. And welcome back to the Trenton 365 show. You can send me an email, trenton365show at gmail.com. Most importantly about this program, because the idea is to encourage people to get involved in the process of their lives, be civically engaged. So I encourage you to reach out to the IELTS organization, and the website is simple, isles.org. There you can find out all the information about the programming, whether it's um, the school that they run, but also about urban agriculture and some of the history, etc. But it's very important for you to check out the website. Reach out to Jim Simon and Justin Allen. Either one of them can help you out if you want to start a garden, if you have some questions about your own garden, if you want to get a, a program done or started at your, your, your neighborhood association, your church, whatever it is, your faith center. Um, these two can help you out with that, and I encourage you to do that sooner than later later because you don't want to get into this whole idea of oh the weather's warm now I want to do my garden now is the time to start thinking about it start laying it out start trying to figure out what you have going on because uh, in the incubators they've got seeds and seedlings that are actually getting ready to get started so that they'll be ready to go into the ground after we're through the whole frost period um, while we were on the break you know one of the things that on Jim's list here that I definitely want to talk about is beekeeping and um, I think most people don't understand the importance of all life that's involved in the food and things that we have. So can you share a bit about bees uh, and the beekeeping program that IELTS has? Sure. So pollinators, we really rely on them for our sources of food. Uh, they pollinate close to like between 30, 40 percent, maybe even more uh, of the food that we eat. So if we didn't have pollinators, honeybees and other native pollinators, we wouldn't have apples, we wouldn't have cantaloupes, we wouldn't have tomatoes. So it's really a critical piece of, of, of what we're eating. So we incorporate 
beekeeping and pollinator education into our work in the schools and into our uh, work with the community gardeners. So we have, we manage about a dozen hives. Uh, I've been keeping bees at aisles for about six or seven years. So I started off by taking the Rutgers beginning and advanced courses. Uh, we're also members of the New Jersey Beekeepers Association. So we really promote responsible beekeeping. Um, and the honey that gets produced from the hives, we sell that at the Greenwood Avenue Farmers Market, which runs from June through October near the Trenton Transit Center. And off season, we also sell it at a couple other cafes, Trenton Coffee House and Roaster and Cafe 128. Um, yeah, so the pollinator education, you know, especially for children, uh, people get stung by something, they think it's a bee. You know, most often it's something else, like a yellow jacket or a wasp. So uh, a lot of the education revolves around getting kids to understand bee behavior, you know, watch them safely in action in the garden and kind of understand those types of relationships. We have uh, one garden at, uh, sorry, one beehive at the, the demonstration garden on Tucker Street that, you know, we've had thousands of people visit with, and the only people that get stung are the beekeepers. <laughs> that would so, be the two of you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, a lot of it's just kind of, you know, getting the, the public to understand, you know, how the, the value of bees and, you know, not confusing them with other um, you know, other species. Mm -hmm. Now, when, when you say uh, about beekeeping, um, I, I was talking to someone who keeps bees as well, uh, Mark Lakington, mm -hmm. and he was saying that there's uh, some communities and some municipalities are pushing back about allowing people to have bees on, on their own private property. Can you yep. share about that? Yeah, the, the genesis of that, I think, was, um, you know, some, some bad beekeeping uh, operations. So municipalities started to crack down on it and then that prompted the Department of Ag to um, want to kind of apply some rules statewide. So there's a good reason to do that. So, so there's some uniformity. Um, but the, you know, the rules that were proposed would have really hindered urban beekeeping and were a little more restrictive than, than people wanted. So that's what's you know, part of great about being part of an ag advocacy organization like the beekeeping Beekeepers Association or the New Jersey Farm Bureau, or being in you know touch with your local legislators, you can you know invite them to your site. You can tell them about your experience or your education, uh, and you know really get them to help advocate for responsible uh, regulation. So, um, due to that public pressure, um, you know even the, the Mercer County Freeholders actually passed a resolution to kind of you know put put the brakes or. Re Put the brakes on the legislation or, or revisit. So uh, the Department of Ag has, um, you know, has those rules on hold. They change them substantially based on uh, public input, uh, but they're still trying to, to fine tune that. Uh, the, the biggest thing is just making sure that um, you're looking at you know, best beekeeping practices based on you know other states. Uh, university or extension resource and beekeeping associations themselves. Mm -hmm. Great. Thank you very much for that. And folks, I encourage you to go to the website, isles.org, I-S-L-E-S.org, and there you can connect with Jim and Justin and, and follow up with them if you have some more uh, in particular questions, et cetera, and concerns. Justin, I want you to talk now. Um, I'll give you a hypothetical. I've got a a piece of land, I want to start growing some vegetables and potential fruit at my house. Um, I listen to this program, so I call Isles. What happens next? Uh, we, a lot of times we'll come out and assess the site for numerous things. 
Uh, unfortunately, in legacy cities, most of the soil does have contamination in it. Uh, one of the big things we're looking for is lead. Uh, there's under 400 parts per million, I think they consider it safe. So you can consider gardening in ground. Um, above that, which a lot of times there's areas that are above that, uh, maybe don't grow in that area or do raised beds. Um, so again, we'll look at where the sun is coming from, uh, seeing what's available around them they might be able to utilize. You don't always have to spend all this money on a raised bed. You can use some cinder blocks or bricks that are laying around. Uh, but getting soil in, I think, would be one of the most important things. If you're not sure about the soil you're working with, probably better off just bringing in fresh soil. Uh, luckily, the Hamilton Municipal Complex, complex as well as Princeton Lawrence has an ecoplex where they have a compost that they create from municipal yard waste. Uh, which is incredible, really rich, very affordable as opposed to buying it commercially. Um, so that's a great source to start your garden to bring that in. Uh, and yeah, the, uh, just on the spot, usually just answer a lot of questions for gardeners. So a lot of it's off the top of the head. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, seeing where, they, where they're at and what they're looking to get out of it. Uh, some people want to go jump in and do a real lot. Uh, sometimes that might be a little much, but just seeing where they're at and seeing how we can work with them and help them get, get started. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure there's some, some folks who are probably going to have some concerns if, if they grew up in an environment where, no, the only gardening we ever did was in the soil, whether the soil, whatever the soil was. We didn't test the soil. We just put the seeds or we put the plants in and the tomatoes or whatever else that we grew it was fine. Um, what do you say to those folks? Be careful. Uh, there is some recommendations I think the USDA might put out where if you're working in lead soils, just a lot of times it's more on like the surface. The leafy greens are an issue because it's on the surface, just washing everything well. If you're working out in the garden when you come in your house, don't take your boots off, things like that. Uh, you don't want to be bringing that lead into a home, especially with children in it. So just, yeah, just be careful and really just try to wash your produce. Uh, I did minimal research on uptake, and a lot of times that's not a major issue, mm -hmm. especially when it's up in the fruit like tomatoes and berries as opposed to like a root vegetable per se or, again, leafy greens. Um, so, yeah, just, you know, do some research on the back end and um, should be all right if you're, if you're careful. Okay. Yeah. And, and we've got a, um, a very diverse population here, um, many, many countries that are represented, um, each bringing their own food cultures um, with them. Uh, I remember as a young person only having in my mind when, when I was gardening with my parents and grandparents, you know, the basics, you know, tomatoes, cucumbers, beans, um, maybe watermelon if you got lucky, or cantaloupe, those types of things. Um, when folks have a diverse um, food source or a food network in our mind, um, are we able to grow a lot of those, like, um, I want to air quotes, like exotic things here um, in New Jersey? Most of the stuff you can. You might be limited with some tropical stuff, but um, even like Caribbean greens, like Callaloo, and you can really grow most stuff here. And, and if you have the, some indoor space, you can even get it started early to, to really get what you want. Um, and we luckily uh, acquire seed donations from large companies from last year's seed. So we have a ton of seeds available for gardeners so they can really dig through and find some stuff they're looking for. For instance, uh, jicama seeds just came in. I wasn't really expecting that. We got some bitter melon seeds, which you don't see all the time. Uh, sometimes we'll go and get some callaloo if we're not, because you don't always see that in a seed donation, so we can offer that up. Um, so we really have a diverse, we really want to meet the needs and, and what they want, the gardeners want to grow. Now, we're not going to come in and say, yeah, you should grow carrots. If you don't want carrots, don't grow carrots. So um, just trying to make that available. And we also have a great connection with Jones Farm. 
uh, has a horticulture program, it's a Department of Corrections farm, and their students grow our seedlings for us, so it's a great connection where we share seeds with them, they grow our seedlings, and then we can distribute those to the community, and they understand where those seedlings are going, so that's another awesome connection we have with uh, in the region. Mm -hmm. Now, do you guys want to share your um, contact information, telephone numbers, etc., and then we're getting ready to finish up? Sure. Um, I just want to plug a couple of recruitment events coming up. Uh, next Thursday, March 14th, we're having another recruitment and mini workshop at Trenton Coffee House and Roaster. And also on Thursday, March 21st at Tucker Street, we're having our community garden kickoff meeting. So either of those are great opportunities to come learn a little bit more about the services that we offer and find a way to, to, to get engaged. Awesome. So March 20, excuse me, March 14th, we'll be at Trenton Coffee House and Roaster from 5 to 7 p.m. And then on March 21st from 5 to 7 p.m., you're going to be at? Uh, 33 Tucker Street. 33 at Tucker Street. Isles okay. Youth Institute. All right. Good. Excellent. And the plow event is? That is April 9th. All right. And what time does that do take place? All day long. All day long. <laughs> <laughs> so people can come out and put their boots on and maybe jump behind a horse? Pretty much 10 a.m. till 2 or 3 in the afternoon. If, if you, the best time for, you know, if adults want to get, you know, jump behind the plow is after, the, you know, the 100 or so school kids are done is typically later on in the afternoon. But if you want to come watch, just step up anytime. <laughs> That's great. All right, so um, we've got about a minute left, right? So I do want you guys to also talk about the importance of if you're going to do a garden, yeah, it's cool to wait when it's warm out, but the importance of kind of getting situated now, scheduling. Can you talk about that? Yeah, come to the workshop, really. Like, I can't stress how valuable that is. Um, it's a good way to meet other people in the garden network, you know, acquire some of these basic skills. You get a little demo plot at Tucker Street, and then after a year of meeting people and, you know, having us stuff your brains full of information, you're ready to fly. We kick you out, then you join an existing community garden or start your own garden. Fantastic. Justin, anything to add? Jim summed it up pretty well. Um, but I know you asked for contact information, so I can be reached at jallen, J-A-L-L-E-N, at aisles.org. Uh, my work phone number is 609-341-4729. And you can reach us also at urbanag, urbanag at aisles.org. Urbanag at aisles.org. And we, have, uh, we do have space left in the incubator training garden. I'd love, we'd love to work with you this season. It's, uh, it's a very, I find it very enriching just to, to teach and spread the knowledge and empower people. So hopefully we get some more people signing up. Reach out to me and I'll, I'll get you all set up. Um, yeah, we have a seed library at the Trenton Public Library. Our, our honey Jim was talking about is, is award-winning honey. <laughs> we got second place this season. All right, we got to finish up here, guys. Right. But I will have you back, and I will see you on the 14th, the 21st, and the 9th of April. You've been listening and watching the Trenton 365 show. Isles has been my guest, ISLES.org. You've been listening and watching the Trenton 365 show. Have a great night, and we'll chat next week. <laughs>